This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of Fanatical Prospecting and Sales EQ, and I'm here to help you open more doors, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. This episode is part one of a conversation that I have with Patrick Tinney, who is the author of Unlocking Yes and a negotiation strategist and expert on how to negotiate and in particular how to negotiate in sales. Every salesperson deals with negotiation and I think you're going to love this conversation I have with Patrick. Before we get started though, I want to share with you my excitement for my brand new book, Objections. There are very few one-size-fits-all solutions in sales. Complex sales are different from one-call closes. Calling on a business is different from selling directly to individual consumers. You see, in sales, context matters. There's little black and white. Every prospect, sales conversation, territory, company, and product are different. But there's one exception, and that's objections. As a sales professional, you face objections and the potential for objections no matter your unique situation. You see, objections don't care about who you are, what you sell, where you work, where you live. If your sales cycle is long or short, complex or transactional, objections don't care how your day is going or if you're new to sales or a veteran. You see, there's democracy in objections. It's a shared reality for every sales professional. So the brutal truth is one that you already know. You're going to get objections and you need to learn how to get past objections. And that's exactly why I wrote this book, Objections, the ultimate guide to the art and science of getting past no. And I guarantee it's like no other book you've ever read about the subject of objections. So do yourself a favor. Go right now to Amazon or Barnes & Noble and pick up my brand new book, Objections. I guarantee that this will be the one book that will help you make more money this year. Now, here's part one of my conversation with Patrick Tinney on sales negotiation strategies. I'm Jeff Blood, author of Fanatical Prospecting and Sales EQ, and welcome to another episode of Sales Masters. With me today is Patrick Tenney, the author of an amazing book called Unlocking Yes. This book is about negotiation, but it's better than just about negotiation. It's about negotiation for salespeople. And Patrick and I are going to spend some time helping you understand what you need to do to become a better negotiator and some of the tips and tactics and techniques that will help you get higher prices and better terms and conditions. Patrick, welcome to Sales Masters. Thank you very much, Jeff. Uh, just enjoying this very much. So before we got started, you were telling me about the process of writing Unlocking Yes. And I may just stop because I wanted you to tell the audience what you went through, because both of us are authors and we, I think we, we, we commiserate about what it takes to actually write a book. So can you, can you help us understand a, where the idea came from for Unlocking Yes and the iteration, how you, how you came to, to publish this beautiful book? Well, thank you very much for the compliment to begin with. Um, you know, it was uh, like a lot of authors, um, I hadn't really intended to write a book. In other words, you start producing content and then you get, uh, you know, you get uh, nudges from your colleagues and they're saying, you got to write a book. You got to write a book. Um, if, if you've been in business long enough, and I've been in business for four decades, um, you, you become very accustomed to writing very good content internally and you make business cases internally. 
but there's uh, there are so many nuances that that come with with negotiation. So what I started to do is I started to talk about uh, topics that were a little bit on the fringe to begin with, and and it's just kind of strange. People just started to pile on the rabbit, and so what I would do is I would in some cases just send the content out to build my uh, my brand, my company, uh, and uh, and and that I get a, a quick email back and be like seven o'clock at night after I finished the piece, and I just pick up the phone call right away, and I would just say hi, I'm here, I you know. What are you interested in doing? And then it took off. So anyway, long story short is it took a long span to write the book because I wanted to write um, a sales negotiation book that was collaborative with the customer, that was wide ranging, that was strategic. And to me, that was really important because one of the things that um, I have understood for a long time is that most people do not understand a great breadth about strategy. And I think strategy is one of the most important parts about negotiation. You, and my book is a combination of lo- largely strategy, but supported support by the tactical part of it. Let's go back to a, a foundational problem that I see. And I'd like to get your opinion on that. And that is that in our culture, unlike other cultures around the world, we have a tendency to see negotiation as something that is bad or, or icky or unsavory. And, and I, I want to get your opinion on why that is, why do we have those hangups and how does that impede our ability to cross over that emotional barrier to, to sit, you know, sit down with a, a client and negotiate a, a collaborative outcome? Wow. That's a great question. <laughs> you know, I, I think, and I've thought about this for a long time, Jeff. So you've, you've asked one of those amazing questions. Uh, that not enough people think about. But my own sense of it is, is that uh, we learned how to negotiate by growing up in a family who either negotiates a lot, they communicate a lot, or they don't. And you've either grown up in a family where there was a family business or, or, you, or you didn't. And um, the other thing is, is that uh, I, it, it's almost, it's, it's a personal thing. Negotiating is a personal thing. And for, for reasons that I cannot understand, is that, is that, um, and, and I, there, part of it I can understand. We were in a what I would call a um, a seller's market from uh, 1950 to about the year 2000. So in other words, there were way too many buyers and there weren't enough sellers. And so the whole concept of win-win, which was developed um, uh, by uh, Mr. Yuri uh, with, with the Harvard gang, was uh, created in a, an atmosphere where the sellers always had the upper hand. Well, around the year 2000, with the internet, with, with globalization, all the rest of it, it flipped over. And so now you had too many sellers because you got people selling from all over the world and they're selling in. And the way that negotiation uh, was being conducted started to change. And it was exacerbated around 2008 with the financial collapse. And then all of a sudden, CapEx budgets around the world collapsed and everybody <laughs> tightened up like a clam. It was just like you, could, you, you couldn't get that oyster open. You couldn't get that baby to pop. So um, I think that the buyers became so strong that sellers didn't know how to respond to that. And the problem became is uh, one that where sellers said, all right, well, we'll sell harder. Well, selling harder doesn't necessarily get a deal across the finish line. You have to understand strategy. See, when I talk to people, let me just throw one more thing at you. When I talk to people, I've done over 50 book signings. I know you've done a bajillion because I've, I've watched you uh, you know, uh, with your various videos, and they're always really fun and, and entertaining. But I've talked to thousands and thousands and thousands of people, 
And I always ask them on a scale of one to 10, how do you see yourself as a, as a business negotiator? Now you've got a number, Jeb. I don't want, I don't want to know what your number is, but I can tell you after talking to all those people, the number is between six and a half and seven and a half out of 10, 10 being the highest. And then I ask them, so how many negotiation strategies can you name and when to use them for time compression and or buy or sell a risk? And you know what the answer is? One or none. When I was in, you know, carrying a briefcase and selling, I was a worse negotiator at the beginning of the quarter and a better negotiator at the end of the quarter. And I, and I noticed this pattern consistently that at the end of the quarter, I was getting higher commission checks, better terms and conditions. I was giving away less to get the deal closed. And at the, at the beginning of the quarter, I was, you know, I was giving away everything. And, and this was when I was in my mid-20s, so 24, 25, 26, really early on, noticed this pattern. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and the, the industry that I worked in, the, the levers for commission, making more money, were so big when you started moving your prices up and when you stopped giving away things that we couldn't negotiate out, that it was, so, it was in my best interest to be a better negotiator at the end of the quarter. Or, or excuse me, at all the all the time. So the the problem that that I, I faced was I figured out what my problem was. I just couldn't fix it, and that was that at the end of the quarter I'd made my quota. I didn't need to sell, and when I didn't need it, when I when I detached from it emotionally, I was looking at I'd look at a buyer in their eyes and say, "This is this is how much it costs." This is what we have to do. This is why these add-ons are there. This is why this is there. And at the beginning of the quarter, I was giving away the farm before I ever negotiated. And in fact, I was afraid to negotiate because I was afraid I might lose the deal. So, so let's before we start talking about negotiating strategies, like you know, so for example, you know, holding onto your leverage, time compression, those type of things. Let's just get down to the basics. Why does that? What are the emotions around becoming a better negotiator? And I, and I can tell you intellectually, I can, I can, I, I know this today in my own business. I'm a better negotiator when the pipeline's completely full, and I'm a worse negotiator when the pipeline's empty. You know, it's just, it's just simple, basic stuff. But it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, it's not the, the pipeline has nothing to do with my ability to negotiate. It's my emotional state that has the ability to, you know, has a lot to do with how I negotiate. And then, and then frankly, sometimes I just don't feel like negotiating. So sometimes I just, I take what I can get because I don't, I don't want to go through the hassle of doing it because I still don't like the way it makes me feel. <laughs> well, you know what, uh, Jeb, my friend, you, you are a part of the masses. Um, you know, what we have to do is we have to say to ourselves, um, can we separate the business side of the negotiation from the EQ side of the negotiations? And one of the things that I noticed about myself, uh, and uh, let me just sort of frame this for you, a large negotiation for me uh, in the uh, sort of mid-1990s uh, uh, was around 12 to $13 million. One client with one signature on either side of the contract. There wasn't a committee signing this thing, just the two of us. Now move that forward in, in, in today's dollars and you can just imagine how big that was, right? Um, effectively in those days, it was 150 jobs that would go bad if I got it wrong. Uh, not saying that deals that big are gonna go wrong, but it's just, you have to really focus, right? And so uh, you have to, yeah, you have to pull yourself away because 
if you've got a partner who is collaborative, but it, it's one of these partners that the contract is so big and you realize that your brand alignment works, but the other side gets paid to drive prices down. This is, this is what procurement officers do. My side gets paid to get the deal across the finish line, but grow the piece of the pie so that we're growing our revenues and we've, we've got incentive for the customer to, uh, to stay in it. And by the way, we're always trying to grow out contiguous business, which we don't currently have, which our competitors have. And those are, and you've talked about that in your, in your, uh, in your book, we call them conversions, right? Mm -hmm. Big money conversions. So uh, it, it, it's, this, it's the workup. And one of the things I, I want everybody to understand is that when you get into important negotiations, professional negotiators start collecting information months in advance of a large contract. Like they don't do it the week before. They're, they're attending meetings and they're talking to customers about, geez, I noticed this in your industry. How are you going to manage that? Um, notice that one of your competitors is, you know, is, is having some supply chain problems. How are you going to approach that? Um, so for instance, in Canada here last, uh, last month, we had Sears close uh, best part of 80 stores. And so that's going to have a huge effect on a, um, a large retailer here uh, called Leon's Furniture, who is in the furniture business. And Sears have been a, a very large seller of appliances. That obviously opens that up for them. So uh, it's, it's understanding the marketplace, which you, you, you and I both agree on. And then it's understanding your cost modeling. It's understanding your objection, uh, objectives on your side. And it is it is extremely important to understand and have total clarity on the, on the customer's objectives. Sometimes people miss this. And the biggest fault that I see in, in people that go in to negotiate is they don't do enough workup. And then they go in and they, and they, and they believe that they're going to get at the table. They're going to hammer something out, but they do it on the basis that they're a counterpuncher. So, so let's, let me dial this back. So, so number one, um, we talked about emotional control. So we, the, the pattern that I noticed with myself was that when I needed the deal, I was a worse negotiator than when I didn't need the deal. So when you can detach from the outcome and have greater emotional control, you walk in the door automatically a better negotiator. Uh, confident sales, it, 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 that transfers to the buyer when they see that you're, you're confident about, about your position. Correct. But what makes you confident about your position, aside from... I didn't need the deal is discovery. Discovery is the heart and soul of negotiation. So this is the mistake that I see with so many salespeople. They are negotiating on the basis of nothing. Like they have nothing. They're haggling out a price, but they don't understand what the buyer's particular objectives are. What are the roadblocks? What's, what's their situation? And, you know, and, and they're, they had the opportunity, in, in essence, if we were to use this you know, as, a, as a poker game analogy, but they had the opportunity to see all of their buyer's cards. The person sitting on the table, they can see every card they have. Imagine if you're playing poker and you can see all the cards at the table, you're probably going to make better decisions. But we don't do that because we don't take the time to, to, to engage. And at the smaller level, uh, Patrick, one of the things I see now, you're talking about $13 million negotiations, but I mean, a lot of times, you know, people are negotiating, you know, get a $10,000 deal. As I see salespeople take the red herring of negotiating early in the process before they walk through the entire process. So once again, they're back to negotiating a 
a price in the vacuum of no additional information. So it sounds like discovery is like a big piece of this, understanding that, that that's the foundation of strategy. The loudest voice in the room is not necessarily the room, uh, the person in the room who is going to be the smartest at the negotiation table. And quite frankly, your, your, your commentary around a, a poker table, I, I used to play a lot of no limit poker. Uh, and so at a poker table, we're all looking for tells. And, and, and what we try to do is we try to uh, start off with um, I, either understanding who the table captain is or, or who the person is who's controlling the tempo at the table. And by the way, we want other people to believe other things about us rather than what we feel inside, which is kind of what you're talking about. So the EQ part of negotiation is really important, but the only time the EQ part really kicks in is uh, when there's a lot of money involved, when there's a lot of change involved, when there's a lot of stress involved, or when there's a lot of completeness in our work. So if your work is complete for that negotiation, your cost modeling is done, you understand the roll-ups and roll-downs in your fingertips, then you go into a negotiating uh, setting, and like you're talking about at the end of your quarter, you're sitting there and you're saying to yourself, you know what, I, I'd be really interested in knowing what's really important to you. I hope you enjoyed part one of my conversation with Patrick Tenney, the author of Unlocking Yes, on sales negotiation tactics. We'll continue this conversation in part two of our interview on the next episode. And make sure to go right now and pick up a copy of my brand new book, Objections, The Ultimate Guide to the Art and Science of Getting Past No. I promise you, this will help you get past those nasty objections that you are getting in sales conversations, and it will make you a better negotiator.